Welcome to Leading Simple with Rusty George. Our goal is to make following Jesus and leading others a bit more simple. Here's your host, Rusty George. Hey, welcome to Leading Simple. My name is Rusty George. I'm your host today, and we have one of our favorite guests back with us, Brian Dodd. Brian is a leadership junkie. He writes a daily blog about leadership, and he has recently put together a brand new book about some of the great leaders of 2021. Really, really great information uh, in this particular podcast and a great, great read. Hey, episode 200 is just around the corner and have a special interview that I can't wait to share with you. I'm going to interview my kids. I'm going to ask them the good and the bad and the ugly of being a pastor's kid. And so for those of you that have always wanted to know, here you go. And for those of you that are pastors, this might be encouraging to you that we didn't get everything right. We got some things right and our kids live to tell about it. So that's coming up on episode 200. We are doing a giveaway. And so make sure that you uh, like us on social media and share our information and content. And we'll make sure that we enter you in a contest to get a collection of the books that we have collected over the past few years from some of our favorite podcast guests. So make sure that you check that out and you can go to pastorrustygeorge.com for more information. Well, here is my conversation with Brian Dodd. I think you're going to enjoy it as much as I did. Brian Dodd, thank you for joining us again on the podcast. I think this is your third time. This might be the hat trick for you. It is the hat trick for me. Awesome. So I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. Fantastic. I think that gets you a uh, set of steak knives or something like that. So it, it, it gets me and some K-Tail records. Don't forget that also. <laughs> Those are great, starring Dion Warwick. Okay. Uh, listen, I, I would assume by now our listeners know who you are because you are a recurring guest, but, but you are a student of leadership. Tell me why. You know, how did that come about? Why does this fascinate you so much? And, you know, what does that mean? Because some of us read books on leadership and we lead things, but what does it mean to really study how leadership is done? Well, uh, there's kind of two parts to that question. I'll try to make part one very brief. Part two will be a quick answer. Um, you know, you and I don't think have ever gotten into this. I, I kind of had a rough childhood growing up. Hmm. And, uh, you know, I'll just I'll just say this and then your listeners can fill in the blanks. Every type of abuse you can name, just rattle them all off. Mm. Me, my brother and sister and mom experienced all of them. Mm. OK, so uh, basically, dad finally leaves mm. uh, and mom looks at us and she goes, OK, my kids need some kind of stability. Mm. So she looked at me. I was the oldest and angriest of the kids. You know, that's how it goes. Mm -hmm. And uh, she goes, Brian, we're going to start going to church. And we're going to go wherever you want to go. You just pick. And my three best friends went to a church called Ackworth United Methodist Church, about 30 minutes north of Atlanta, which back in 1982 was a two red light town. Mm. Now urban sprawl has sucked it in. But back then it was a small town. And so I went there, and to speed up that story, God just began bringing these godly men into my life to fill that void. Mm. 
And I, I didn't know that, you know, I was experiencing leadership or learning the value of it or anything like that. I just knew some, some older men that I really admired were taking an interest in me. So at 14, I got saved and I'd been saved maybe less than a month. And my Sunday school teacher, who was one of my three best friends, dad, his name was Linus Black. He goes, Brian, uh, a bunch of us are praying for Pastor Jim, Jim Lowry. A bunch of us are praying for Pastor Jim. Would you like to join us? Well, this is the power of influence. Uh, I said, it was Mr. Black. So I said, yes, sir, I'll join you. So we go into uh, Pastor Jim's office and all the people that were there, all these people was me, Mr. Black and Pastor Jim. <laughs> so we're in there and we start to pray. And Mr. Black, Lennis plays, prays first. I just repeat everything he said. And then Pastor Jim closed us out. <laughs> now, this is the infamous, you can only connect the dots looking backwards. You can't connect them in the moment or looking forward. What I did not realize at that moment was that started me on what has now been a 41-year 40, trajectory of serving pastors and church leaders. Mm. That was the moment that that was launched. And, and so, you know, it, it, to be honest, leadership filled that void in my life. I, I am the picture and the product of everything rises and falls on leadership. So in terms of now, the second part of your question, being a student of leadership, John Maxwell in his book, 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, has, has the law, the, um, I want to say the law of intuition. Mm -hmm. Okay, I think that's what it is that leaders evaluate everything through a leadership bias. So here's what happens. When you start doing that, you can't turn that off. So for instance, if you go, I'm going to go to a movie today, and I want you to get five leadership principles from the movie, or I'm going to go to a family event, and I want you to get five leadership examples from a family event. Once you turn that faucet own in your mind, you do begin to evaluate everything through a leadership bias. So I'm part of the John Maxwell tree, and I can actually tell you the limb from the tree, hmm. and it's the law of intuition. So what happens is, um, and we'll get into this as it relates to the book, but as I kind of walk through my life, I do evaluate everything through a leadership bias and then when appropriate, which is most of the time, I record those and package it and edit it for other listeners and readers to learn from. And so, you know, now I've been doing that so long that it, you know, let's just be honest, it drives my wife crazy. And she's like, can we not just go to a movie, you know? <laughs> um, but anyway, that's that's the long answer of how I got to that. Let me ask you kind of a, 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 a well, I don't know if this is a a helpful question or not, but I think it might actually put some boundaries around how to look at things. I, I heard the phrase one time, there's a difference between having a critical eye and a critical spirit. Correct. And I remember when I first started going uh, to, to Bible college and seminary, and I would have to take classes on preaching, suddenly now I looked at everything through the lens of how could that message be better? Right. And so I'd sit through a sermon on a Sunday and I'd think, hmm, they should have done this. They should have done this. 
And I, I quickly realized uh, there's a difference between critical eye and critical spirit. Same thing can be true for leadership. It's one thing to pick out five things of leaders that you, that you think are great or lacking. It's another thing for you to always be judging everybody and their faults. How do you walk that tightrope? Because none of us want to be the arrogant leader that thinks everybody's doing it wrong. That's a great question. Here's, here's what I recommend to people. So I deal with pastors and church leaders all day. That's my daytime job. Okay. And the stuff we're going to talk about is kind of my hobbies and my nighttime job. Mm -hmm. But during the day, I'm talking with pastors and church leaders. So I get to deal with some of the great leaders in America. I mean, people like you running thousands and thousands of people on a weekend. I'll have a, I'll have a church leader call me. He might be running two or three hundred. And many times they will even apologize you know, Brian, thank you for your time. I know you deal with some of the greatest leaders and things of that nature. And the fact you give me some time and I let them talk because I don't want to interrupt them. And then I say, let me go ahead and, and share something with you. I say, how many people do you have running on the weekends? 250? Yeah, about 250. I say, great. I'm married to Sonia and I have a daughter, Anna. Half the time, I can't get them to listen to me. <laughs> you got 250 people showing up every week to hear what you have to say. You're doing something right. Let's nothing's perfect. We'll get to that, but you're doing something right. Let's figure out what you're doing right and build on that. And then we can supplement it by those areas of improvement and those marginal gains we look for in other areas. So the way to avoid the difference between a critical eye and a critical spirit is I guess you'd call it a glass half full and let's build off what is working right. Because here's the thing too, Rusty. I've learned over the years, and when you read my stuff, I don't attack people. I don't degrade people. You know, I've learned in my life, it takes no intellectual acumen to tear something down. Mm -hmm. The ability to find what's working and build on it and add to it yeah, that that's to me what separates the people you should be listening to because, you know, any anybody can tell you what you're doing wrong. Mm -hmm. But to add to that what you're doing right and build a healthy balance and grow from there, I think that's what you're looking for. Yeah, and that's one thing I've noticed about you is you tend to go into every situation looking for the positive. You know, what has what this coach done right? What is What do we see in this movie that's done right? What do we see at this church that's done right? Rather than, let me find the flaws and fix it, it's let me find the good and replicate it. What, what are some internal questions that you kind of have rolling around in your mind? For instance, let's just start with when you read a book by a coach or about a coach. Well, I keep an open mind on it. I do go in looking for the leadership lessons. Mm -hmm. the, the books I read, I will read a book like Lights Out, which was the rise and fall of GE, mm -hmm. particularly after Jack Welch left and, and Jeff Immel took over. So I will do a kind of a Jim Collins, you know, why the mighty fall type approach. Mm. But if you were, you know, you and I are video in this, you know, the listeners won't get to see this, but over my left shoulder is three shelves of championship teams. Mm. All three of them shelves are teams that won titles. I'm more interested in how great things were built than how great things fell apart. Right. 
So really, that's kind of what I'm going into, um, you know, because I know why things fall apart. The vision's not clear, crisp, or compelling. The leadership is not unified. The projects and the initiatives don't make any sense and aren't a catalyst to making the vision a reality. Or there's a tremendous lack of trust due to ethical issues or broken promises. Mm-hmm. I know why things fall apart. Mm-hmm. But how to build great things, that's kind of what I'm interested in. Okay, so that makes sense, obviously, with books and with leaders and with pastors. But you take this even into culture. And I love the fact that when a new movie comes out, I can, I just know that day of or next day, I'm going to get a blog from Brian Dodd about five leadership lessons from Black Widow or from Spider-Man or from whatever, you know, blockbuster has just come out. Uh, how, how do you sit through a movie? I mean, what are, you, what are you looking for? Are you just trying to fill a blog or are there are a couple of questions you're trying to ask? You know, that, that is an excellent question. <laughs> uh, I, and I, you know, because you're a pastor and you're like one of my dear friends. Yes, I go to a lot of movies for the blog and <laughs> get out there. I'm not going to lie about that. Uh, yeah, there is that. I will give you an interesting thing, though. I enjoy the movies much better the second time. Hmm. You know, like I also live blog church conferences, mm-hmm. you know, when there used to be church conferences. Right, right. There's a difference between capturing information and processing information. Hmm. So when I'm live blogging or I'm capturing leadership things from a movie, many times I don't have time to enjoy the movie. Right. So if I watch it the second time, I'll give you a good example. Black Widow, you brought it up. When I went to the movies, you know, you're busy not missing anything. Right. You know, and if somebody says something, okay, I've got to write that down by simultaneously listening to what they're saying so that if something else happens, you don't miss it. When it came out on Disney Plus, I was like, that is a really good movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really enjoyed it. So a lot of times, yes, when you're in the weeds, you know, you can miss the forest for the trees. So a lot of times I will enjoy it much more the second time around. One of my favorite things that I found, uh, I think somebody on our staff bought it for me years ago, was a pen that had a a light on the end of it. This is before we had iPhones and all of that, because I always would try to take notes in movies because I found them to be the best sermon illustrations at that time when I was working with college students. Sure. Uh, and so I found this pen that had a light in the middle, you know, at the tip of it, and I could sit there and write, and I just, people would sit around me thinking, who is this guy, you know? Well, it's funny. You know, you brought up sermon illustrations. I would say for about a four-year run, I would have one to two dozen pastors, because everybody was doing the At The Movie series during the summer. Right. I literally would have one to two pastors contact me and say, okay, we're doing Avengers Infinity War. What do I need to, what do I need to preach on? (laughs) I'm like, all right. I'm like, you'll be your own filter and do what God says, but here's some stuff you might want to think about. Oh, that's so good. Well, there have been some great ones over the last year. I know you and I both loved the last Spider-Man movie. Just for our listeners, give me a couple takeaways from the final, from this last Spider-Man movie. Uh, I can't even remember. Are we on our way home, leaving home, lost at home? I forgot what the name of the of the movie was. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I think it might have been coming home or something. I'm with you. I don't. 
here's what I think that movie was about. If I, you know, I, there was a number of things in the, in that movie. Um, I think that movie was a movie about hard decisions. Hmm. You know, number one, them saying, let's reverse what everybody was thinking. That was a hard decision. Um, you know, when Spider-Man captured all the villains that came in, what to do with them was a hard decision. Hmm. Uh, the Andrew uh, McCarthy, when he went to Garfield, or Garfield, thank yeah. you. Uh, when he went to save, uh, you know, it's not BJ. That's from the other other ones, but yeah, yeah when he went to, when he went to save her girlfriend, yeah, um, or his girlfriend, that was a hard decision. You know, so I think the movie was about hard decisions and how to make hard decisions. But here's another thing I'd say: what the what what Marvel did, Marvel Entertainment. And this is the big leadership lesson to me from that movie. Give the audience what they want and need. <laughs> they wanted all three Spider-Mans. Yeah. And I don't know how much planning it took to coordinate schedules and calendars and how much money was involved. And if there was any holdouts, cause you can't have one without the other. And I don't know what was all involved in putting that together. But when, whenever you're delivering content to your audience, the level of effort, planning, and preparation to deliver something that would surprise and delight that audience is something that every church, media group, writer, they need to learn from Marvel what they did in that movie in terms of delivering content that'll serve people. That's a great insight. You're exactly right. That was the feel-good moment of the entire movie that they all came together and you had people from you know basically three different generations three different spider-men uh represented there what what a phenomenal moment yeah okay so i want to talk about your book yeah and that's what that's why we're here your book 2021 the year in leadership what a great concept you write about leadership almost every day and then to take some of your best of and put them together uh, tell me why this book, why was it not enough just to say, well, the blog's out there, why put it together? Why add some more things? What makes this, uh, helpful for our listeners? Well, what makes it helpful for the listeners? And this is a question I'm now beginning to ask audiences. How much is one good idea worth mm. that would advance your, 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 your organization, and its mission and vision? How much is one good idea worth? So what I wanted to do was take a book of the best leadership learnings throughout the entire year. And the book is written in chronological order. And every page is meaningful. There's no filler. There's no, you know, whenever you use a publisher, they want a word count. Sometimes you have to do some filler. That's a little author secret that, you know, we don't say out loud. That's right. Sometimes one adjective won't do. Use three. Exactly. So here's the deal. There's not a wasted word. There's not a wasted page. There's not a wasted chapter or moment. And I wanted to give the listeners the ability to walk through an entire year, read about the subject matters that mattered to them, but every page and every chapter would make them better leaders and their organizations better organizations. Hmm. And also, I wanted to serve the audience by saying, look, 
if you wanted all of Brian Dodd's best stuff, if you're a regular reader or you're new to Brian Dodd on leadership and you wanted all the best stuff in one place, where can I get that? Bam. Okay. Here's a resource. And also wanted to, to make it something encyclopedic, I guess would be the term. Because I, my plan is to now do 2022, the year in leadership, 2023, the year in leadership and so forth and kind of stack them together and just kind of use it as a reference point for leaders as well. Well, you've accomplished that. It's great. There's some really compelling chapters in there and so many great leadership lessons. Okay, so I'm going to ask uh, to share three leadership lessons from the book. I'm going to pick one, and then I'll let you choose the other two. I think you know which one I'm going to choose because I think got a good idea. <laughs> you have a great chapter in there about the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs, Andy Reid, and his courageous decision-making. Mm -hmm. Talk about that a little bit. All right. So this is a chapter that centers around sports. But for any of your listeners who, A, are not Kansas City Chief fans, how dare they? But exactly. Okay. All right. <laughs> but they're not. Uh, but B, whether they lead in business or nonprofit or education, or, or, or church work, and they're facing some hard decisions coming up. Do they have a framework for making that hard decision? Mm. That's what this chapter is about. So let me explain what is taking place. The date is January 17, 2021. So it's early in the book. Okay. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs are hosting the Cleveland Browns in the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. It is fourth and one. Patrick Mahomes, the chief star quarterback, has been knocked out of the game. It's fourth and one from Kansas City's 48-yard line, and there's a minute and 16 seconds left in the game. Kansas City has now faced Andy Reid specifically with a courageous decision. Conventional wisdom would say to punt and make Cleveland have to go approximately 80-some-odd yards to try to score a touchdown. Okay, that would be conventional wisdom. Conventional wisdom would also be, okay, go up there at the line of scrimmage, try to draw them off sides, but either take a timeout or take a penalty and still punt. Andy Reid, though, decided to do a courageous decision. In fact, the CBS announcer, Tony Romo, was even saying, you know, because they spread, they spread the offense, no one in the backfield, but backup quarterback Chad, Chad Henney. And he says he's going to come up, he started in the shotgun, he's going to come up to the line of scrimmage and try to draw them off sides. Tony Romo said that. Now, here's what's at stake, because Andy Reid ultimately goes for it. Here's what's at stake. What happens if it didn't work? And Cleveland then went 48 yards, scored a touchdown, and won the game. Andy Reid could be saying, well, he can't win without Patrick Mahomes. Mm -hmm. He really ain't that great a coach after all. Uh, he was reckless in his decision-making. Ironically, if Cleveland wins that game, Baker Mayfield is probably still the quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs, and Deshaun Watson is in Atlanta or, or Carolina today. Mm -hmm. Okay, This is what happens if it, doesn't, if it doesn't work, but actually it did work. And Tony Romo, when the play worked, Chad Henney slightly rolled out, threw like a five-yard pass to Tyreek Hill, who slid down. They run, run out the clock, and they win. And Tony Romo said, who else but Andy Reid would do this? 
Now let's build the framework for that courageous decision. So we start with the post-game press conference. Now, you know, I would teach an entire lesson on this, but for the sake of the podcast, I'm just going to rattle off nine statements very quickly and then break it down. These are all Andy Reid quotes from the press conference. I'm glad he, the backup quarterback, Chad Henney, had an opportunity to play a week or two ago. I think that helped him when he jumped in this time being comfortable and with the speed of everything. We go through those on Saturday nights, situations to win the games. Fourth and one, what do you want to do? My coaches were on board. Nobody got down. Nobody was hanging their head or moping in the game. Those guys kept battling. Somewhere you've got to reach deep during tough times and pull that out. If the coaches are flinching, it's not going to happen. The locker room is not going to flinch. It builds confidence in the coaches. There was no doubt. There was no doubt we were going to go for it and go for it on that play. Hey, there's no tomorrow. Let's go. Let's roll. Everybody just pick your game up an inch and let's go. Have a play ready to go everybody likes. There's no flinching. There's no time to say anything other than let's go. You're trying to win the game. There's no time. You've rehearsed that before. There's no time to talk about it. And finally, he made this statement. That's not, uh, that's the part that I think is a tribute to Chad, the way he handles himself. You don't earn that respect from the coaches and players without handling yourself the right way every day. No one had any doubt. Now, when we take these nine statements and break them down, we get the framework for how to make a hard decision. So if you've got to make a hard decision this week or this month, this is how you need to do it. Number one, rely on your experience. What has happened in the past? How have you made those decisions in the past? Number two, prepare. You're either prepare or repair. Number three, collapse. Collaborate with your leaders. Number four, be positive. Number five, as the leader, be courageous yourself. Don't flinch. Be confident. Boldly communicate the decision. Show no doubt. Why? Because you've prepared and you've collaborated with your leaders. You've already done all that. Okay? Boldly communicate the decision. And when you do, ask more from your team. Then as a team, be unified. Only then take the action when you've got unity and alignment. And finally, only take action, but only take action with people you respect and trust. Mm-hmm. As a leader, if you don't respect and trust your team, then you don't need the, then the courageous decision is no decision. Right. The courageous decision is to prepare, get them experience, equip the team, better communicate it. That's the courageous decision. But because Andy Reid did those 12 things, he made a courageous decision that worked out. Let me interrupt for just a second. Our 200th episode is quickly approaching, and we have some giveaways. We've had so many guests on the podcast over the years, and many of them have written some great books. To celebrate, we're giving some of their books away. Here's how you enter. Over the next few weeks, you'll see my post on social media. Make sure you're following at Rusty L. George and like and share them. 
Then, in the comments, let me know who's been one of your favorite guests on the podcast. We'll be doing this a few times, and all the instructions will be on social media. I've had so much fun getting to 200. Can't wait to see what the next 200 bring. Make sure that you participate, and you'll be entered to get some of these great books. Okay, back to our episode. Which is what he did not do against the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm still struggling with that loss. That can, was a, can, I go, that was, hey, can I go ahead and re- reply to that? Yes. Because you made a correct, courageous decision today does not mean you're going to make a correct, courageous decision tomorrow. <laughs> that is so true. Every day is a new day. Then you're back to square one. Learn from your experience and all that. So true. But, but that is an example of what your leaders or what your readers can expect. Yeah. You know, if you need to make a courageous decision, how much is one good idea worth? Well, on Amazon right now, it's $16.99 and $7.99. But what that is, is three pages of this book. The entire book is stuff like that. Yeah, it's a great read, Brian. It's a great read. And you could read it on a daily basis, just kind of walk through the year. You can read it all in a big chunk. Okay, so I want you to pick out two uh, of your uh, favorite chapters or moments in the book, people you profile uh, that you would like to share with our listeners. Yeah, you know, so the book, it is a chronological look. So you're getting sports, business, pop culture, Christianity, there's a chapter dedicated to you in there when I was at a place where you were the guest speaker. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a chronological look through the years. So here's the thing. For the Christian audience, I want to talk about a lesson I taught last year. And I am actually teaching next month, May 12th, to a group of business leaders in North Atlanta. And it's David's Mighty Men. Okay. This is from 1 Samuel 23, 8 through 17. To shorten it up, Basically, if you want to be a successful leader in 2022, there are four qualities you need to have. And we learned these from that, from that passage. Mm-hmm. From Joseph Bashabeth, we learn production. What you learn from him is he killed 800 men with a sword, or excuse me, with a spear. Now, I have the ability to be hyperbolic and exaggerate, like... That was awesome. Okay, that wasn't awesome. It was a burrito. You know, it tasted good. <laughs> you know, it was warm. It tasted good. It ain't, it ain't worthy of awe. Okay. The Bible does not embellish. If it says he killed 800 men with a spear, he killed 800 men with a spear. Hmm. And so out of that, we learn things, and, and I teach it and, and explain it. We learn things like preparation, like efficiency. You know, editing your life, not wasting any motion. And we learned the importance of physical health. You know, you, you know, you got to be in shape to kill 800 people, you know. So those are some subcategories under that. Number two, Eleazar. This person killed an entire Philistine army by himself, everybody abandoning. And he stood there and fought. And the Bible records they literally had to pry the sword from his hand. Mm. We learn passion. So number one, if you're going to be an effective leader in 2022, you've got to be able to produce, which there's some subcategories to that, but you got to have passion, which means you got to own the result. They got to pull the uniform off of you. They got to drag you off the field. They got to pry the sword out of your hand. This is the over my dead body. Is this not going to happen? Right. Number three is Shema. 
they left him too. You know, not a handful were mighty men, but there were a lot of people there that, you know, left a lot to be desired. But he but he killed too. And from him we learned perseverance. Everybody else quit. He did not quit. Hmm. Okay. And then finally all three came together. And there's that famous story that they heard King David say how great it would be to get a drink of water from the well of Bethlehem. So they fought through the Philistine army. Okay. They got that water, fought their way back, and gave it to David. And David, of course, pulled it, poured it out as a drink offering to the Lord. But from them, we learn loyalty. Hmm. Loyalty in and of itself does not make you a leader, but disloyalty disqualifies you from leadership. Mm. And they loved King David. Mm -hmm. Here's the interesting thing, too, and when I teach this, and I'll teach this to the business leaders, when you read that chapter, 1 Samuel 23, they list all 37, uh, you know, mighty men. The last name mentioned is Uriah the Hittite. Yeah. The interesting thing about him is he had a very famous wife mm -hmm. by the name of Bathsheba. For a period of time in David's life, David's men were more loyal to him than he was to them. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, as a leader, you set the standard for every value in your organization, including loyalty. Mm -hmm. So you have to be more loyal to your people than they are to you, even though you expect it out of them. So that is a very, uh, very compressed mm -hmm. example. But that lesson, David's Mighty Men and what it takes to be successful in 2022, that's one of the chapters. Oh, that's a good one. And I also just talk about stories that interest me that I find fascinating. You know, just, you know, stories about life. And so I want to talk to you. There's a town called Nome, Alaska, and it's located at the, at the Seward Peninsula of the Bering Sea. Very famous around the 1900s for being a gold mining town. But today it's got a population of 3,866. Rusty, your church on a Sunday has more people than Nome, Alaska. <laughs> Nome, Alaska does not even appear on the Alaskan road grid. Wow. The only way to get there is a 40-minute flight from Anchorage, Alaska, okay? Or actually a 90-minute flight. So back in July, there was a gentleman by the name of Richard Jesse. If you were in Nome, Alaska, and then went 40 miles deeper into the wilderness, that's where Richard Jesse was. Hmm. So he clearly just wanted to get away, okay? Just wanted some solitude. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So Richard Jesse one day is on his ATV and he's driving on a river over a river and he's ambushed by a grizzly bear. Hmm. So the ATV sinks, his cell phone sinks, and it's him and the grizzly bear. Forty miles from a town so remote it's not even on the road maps of Alaska. So for three days. With, with his gun and just his guile and God's protection, he's protected from this grizzly bear. A very interesting thing happened. A weather pattern comes in and provides uh, numerous low clouds in Nome, Alaska. So the U.S. Coast Guard had to divert 
their flight around the low, the low cloud cover. Three days of having a standoff with this grizzly bear, um, the Coast Guard drives by and sees an SOS sign and rescues Richard Jesse. Wow. Now, first of all, I hope Richard quickly signed a movie and book deal and got Leo, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio to play. <laughs> um, but there are some lessons we get from this. Mm-hmm. Number one, human beings were not designed to be alone. Mm-hmm. God created us to be in community. And when we're alone, we open ourselves up to spiritual attacks you know, mental attacks, emotional attacks, and yes, even physical attacks. And when we're alone, we don't have anybody watching our backs and we don't have a support system. Hmm. That's one thing we get out of this. Second leadership lesson is this. Whenever you are in a crisis situation, brevity of language is your friend. (laughs) Okay, so let's think about the movie uh, Sully, okay? Tom Hanks and Sully. If you go back and watch that movie, the minute the bird strike hits the plane, watch how little they say to each other. You know, the co-pilot, you know, he'll go quickly through his things, and the co-pilot goes, your flight or your plane? He goes, my plane. And you, you listen, and everything is short, choppy, no elaboration. During times of crisis, you want clear, crisp, and compelling language. SOS is all you need in times of crisis. Mm. You don't need to explain the migrating patterns of the grizzly bear or how long you've been out there (laughs) or what happened. You just need clear, crisp, compelling language and use brevity in times of crisis. Mm. And the third lesson is... Don't quit. Speaking of Tom Hanks movies, I love I love Castaway. Yeah. Okay. And there's that scene when he gets back to Memphis, mm-hmm. and he's talking to his his former coworker from FedEx, and he basically says, I, and I'm paraphrasing, "I just stayed alive because you never know what the tide's going to bring in. It might bring a sale." You know, Mm. and here's the deal. Richard Jesse just stayed alive because you never know what low cloud cover is going to bring in. Mm. And there are people listening to this podcast and there's going to be people reading that book that when they get to that chapter and they read about Richard Jesse trying to survive a grizzly bear attack, the largest, most vicious land mammal in the world. That they're facing their own grizzly bear. And if they just do those things, if they just get in community, if they just use brevity of language to express their need, and they just keep moving forward one step at a time and one day at a time, you never know what the clouds are going to bring in. Hmm. So that that's one of my, you know, Rusty, I'll tell you the truth. I, I talk about a lot of stuff in, in the book. The grizzly bear attack is probably my favorite chapter in the entire book. That is an incredible story and a great application. It's one thing to have a great story. We've all heard preachers come out with a great story. and They don't know how to land the plane, but you really crushed that. So tell me, where'd you find that story? 
you know, okay, so I subscribe to a myriad of online newspapers. Refined is a good one yep. that I, I do. The Morning Brew, I highly recommend. Yeah. Uh, so it's just stuff. And, you know, Pastor Rusty, it's just stuff that interests me. You know, like, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to write about later in the week. Uh, this past weekend, a robotic taxi got pulled over in San Francisco, and it had a tail light out. And the officer goes up, and there's no one to talk to. <laughs> and I got to thinking, you know, what do you do with a driverless car? Well, what do you do with a leaderless organization? Right. So here's how things tie together. And here's how you view everything through a leadership grid. My, my wife's uh, devotion this morning, she was telling me about it. She had no idea I'd read that story. And it was on Psalm 23, he leadeth me into green pastures. Hmm. Well, if sheep don't have a shepherd to lead them into green pastures, sheep will stay where they are. And they will eat up all the resources They'll just be brown ground. There'll be no growth. There'll be no movement. There'll be no advancement. And here's the interesting thing. Sheep will continue digging in the exact same spot and create deep, deep ruts. Mm. Literally, they're stuck in a rut. Literally. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to tie that together, and I'm going to use the San Francisco driverless taxi and tie it back in to Psalm 23 to teach what happens in a leaderless organization. <laughs> that is so good. And by the way, you can read about that on my website or <laughs> next year in 2022, the year in leadership. So. <laughs> Brian, where can people find the book? Uh, th there's really uh, four places, obviously Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Uh, you know, we, we all go through Amazon, so you can go to Amazon. I recommend just typing in Brian Dodd 2021, and it'll pull it up. Mm. Uh, you can get paperback copies, or you can get Kindle, whatever you prefer. Mm -hmm. Barnes & Noble, the same thing, though Barnes & Noble uses Nook. Uh, you can order it through my website. Now, my website's going to send you to Amazon or Barnes & Noble, but you can order it through my website. And if you want to get it directly from the publisher, uh, Zulon, X-U-L-O-N. I use them as my self-publishing assistant. Uh, you can get it through Zulon as well. But yeah, mm. those will those be the best places to go. That's awesome. Now, if you are a listener to this show and you have not signed up for the Brian Dodd Leadership Blog, what is wrong with you? <laughs> uh, it is the greatest thing you can have come into your inbox uh, and Brian, uh, what's the best way to get that? They go to briandodonleadership.com. You got it, my friend. That's the, that's the best way. Well, I can tell you, buddy, I am, I am grateful, uh, to be, uh, well, first of all, to be your friend, but the second of all, to be in the book, although I, I would consider that chapter to be filler, but, uh, I do, I'm so grateful for this book because it chronicles a, a great year of monumental moments with great insight and uh, just all over the map you pull insight from. So thank you for that. And thank you for all your book recommendations that have blessed my life and thus blessed our listeners. And I know that this book is going to bless and impact their lives as well. Well, thank you. And, and I would say this, if you speak to any group of people, I mean, you're a pastor, you're a small group leader, you lead team meetings at work. 
you're trying to motivate an athletic team or something like that. Mm-hmm. There's over 80 stories in there that you can use as examples and illustrations. And it's just a great tool for leaders. And here's the thing to Rusty, I'll tell you this too. Here's another thing I've noticed on a big global scale, just a true leadership deficit. I mean, what I would call just the fundamentals of leadership, mm-hmm. but on day to day, type things like at local churches or or businesses or at local schools, extraordinary leadership is happening. Yeah. And so when I get a chance to tell those stories, it's just, it's just a privilege, but I think no matter where you lead, the fundamentals of leadership are the same, whether you're leading your family or you're leading a fortune 500 company. And so I think this book would help everybody and, I appreciate you helping get the word out. Well, and I want to echo what you're saying, because I hear this from a lot of people that they've got to stand up and give a speech. They've got to um, address the room for something or lead a devotional thought. uh, And and everybody's terrified of public speaking. So when they have that opportunity, they think, what am I going to say? Um, And this book is plug and play. You just grab some of these insights, you grab some of these compelling stories and and share them and you know it's it, it's so simple for people and will be awesome for your listeners too well rusty you're very kind your chapter was not filler they should all read the chapter called rusty george so i did not <laughs> try to hide it i mean that's the name of the chapter is rusty george so it's easy to locate and uh after you read it you know reach out to me through through twitter or instagram or any of those ways love to hear your thoughts and love to invest in you in any way i could well thank you brian to all of our leaders out there of churches i can tell you brian is the real deal and when he says reach out to him and ask for help he means it and he will do whatever it takes uh, to help you succeed so brian thank you so much for your time everybody go get the book on amazon or go to brian dot on leadership find it there and definitely sign up for the blog well i love my conversation with brian dodd that was so so beneficial for me hopefully it was for you make sure you check out his new book it is so good just a great daily reader of um, just some great leadership information from 2021 that can bless your 2022 hey next week we're back with brand new content with an incredible leader by the name of holly tate holly works for an organization called leader l-e-a-d-r you can check them out online to find out more about them and they work to help your business and particularly your ministry do better and create a better environment for your co-workers so join us next week for leading simple with holly tate until then have a great week and keep it simple Take a moment and subscribe to the podcast so you get it delivered every week. And subscribe to the Rusty George YouTube channel for more devotionals, messages, and fun videos. Thank you for listening to Leading Simple. Learn.